Episode 10, Schedules and Lesson Planning. Do you ever find yourself barely able to hold your head above water? Waves of IEPs, data collection, assessments, parent conferences, not to mention lesson plans and seasonal activities are all crashing around you. You need help, but not just from anybody. Grab the lifeline that is the Help for Special Educators podcast. We will equip you with creative solutions and teacher-tested strategies so you can navigate the rewarding but difficult job as a special ed teacher. This is Lisa Goodell, your host. Welcome to Episode 10, which is Part 3 in my Self-Contained Schedule series. In Part 1, I gave you 8 tips on how to create your own daily schedule, along with the general schedule. And in Episode 9, I talked about how to turn that into a schedule for station rotations if you want to use small group instruction. We discussed many things to consider when planning for small group rotations. We also talked about a master station rotation that will be the basis of your schedule all year long. Today, we'll talk about lesson planning for a substitute teacher and how you can turn your schedule into a substitute lesson plan. Also, we'll talk about lesson planning for your paras, how to fit in PE, inclusion, and lots of ideas for what you and your paras can be teaching all day long. The schedules that I will be sharing today can be found at lisagadell.com slash podcast. Click on episode 10 for the show notes. This podcast will make more sense if you go look at them while I'm talking. I have a lot of information packed into this episode, so let's get started. Today, we're going to continue the discussion from last week on station rotations with a schedule slash lesson plan overview for the adults in the classroom. If you look at the master station rotation schedule, which you can find on the show notes from last week, which was episode nine, you will see that this schedule shows where everyone, including adults and kids, should be at every point during the day. It also gives the name of each station, but doesn't give any details about what specifically is being taught. So today we're going to get into those details. But first, I just want to review the master station rotation schedule. The sample one that I give shows each student going to seven stations before recess. Then they go to the same stations again between morning recess and about 1.15 p.m. However, the lesson plans are different the second time around. The schedule hopefully stays the same for most of the school year. And I have it posted all over the room, and I'll even do many lessons to help my students use it as well. Otherwise, they might be asking us adults, where do I go, teacher? Where should I be? So we always want to teach them to be independent if we can. Now, the first schedule that I'm going to be introducing today is the one that I use just for adults. This is a short visual schedule telling us what we need to be doing for each station or to just let us know what we're responsible for. And also in this schedule, I'm not listing the details of all the lesson plans here. I'm just giving a big overview for the week. My class had three kidney tables in it, one for me and each of my two paraprofessionals. Since that last year I had so many students, I divided each kidney table in half because two groups would be at the kidney table at once. So on the schedule, you might see that it will say para A, and then it will say learn, and another section will say Chrome. So learn is the group that they were directly teaching. 
say there were three kids at their group they were doing that for. And then after that group ended, those three students would go to the other side of the kidney table and they might work on Chromebooks. And so on that part, I have it listed as Chrome, or sometimes I might have independent as well. And so they should be doing that on their own. And sometimes things would change, but the schedule would still say learn, and that's where it's direct with the teacher. The other section would be Chrome, and that's more something that students should be doing independent. And so if you look at this page, the first section says Goodell Stations. The next set says Para A Stations. And the last set is para B stations. I cut it into thirds. Each one of us got our own little section, and that's what we were working on for the week. It's usually pretty basic. If you notice where I have touch math, that was usually blank because I could add in different page numbers, different things we were doing. Although at some point, students would be working at their own pace in their workbooks. And again, you'll notice that in that left column, it would be learn. So that would be the group where the teacher is doing more direct instruction. And then the group that says Chrome, I think I also said independent. Yeah, um, I have that just for my podcast listeners so that you know that that means independent time. If I was doing reading with my direct instruction group that was sitting at my kidney table, then kids that are on the other side of the kidney table. For the Chrome group, they might be listening to a book on CD at the listening center, or they might be doing an independent work task. And each day I can assign them different things, but this was just in general what they needed to do because each week I would switch out the different books from the listening center and I would also change out the different work tasks. Then if I needed to make a note about who was doing what, I could do that. Then if you look in the middle where the para A stations are, I had some math books that I was given. They were discarded math books, kindergarten and first grade. And so I had her use those with students and they would just go through them. If it called for manipulatives, we did have some manipulatives that she could pull out and use with the students. And then on Friday, they usually had a math game that they would get to play. And then her Chrome independent group at her table, they would have laptops usually, and I listed what websites they could do on the laptops. During the week, they only had certain ones they could do, but then on Friday, they had their own choice that they could do. And again, they couldn't do anything on the internet. They still had certain choices, and some of them might have been other things besides the ones that they did earlier in the morning. Then for the second rotation for para A, the direct instruction part of her group would be doing calendar or personal data. And then at the end of the week, they would either be tested on what they could remember, like did they have their phone number memorized or their address memorized or spelling out their name, or they would have a game that they would do. And then for the independent they would be doing computers. And it was usually the same as up above, so I wouldn't list all that out again because they would know which things that they could do each day. Then the bottom section of the page is what my para B would be doing at her station. So before recess, during the first rotation, she would be doing reading or writing. And I would give her a separate schedule of what she would be doing, whether it was working on sight words, working on phonics, whether it was writing, I had some really nice Starfall writing journals, maybe she would be doing that. And so I would usually give her a different schedule of who needed to be doing what on that. And then again, at the end of the week on Fridays, they would either be doing a game or a test, sometimes data collection. 
And then she also had an independent part of her table. And usually computers was the easy go-to that I would have them do. But sometimes I would change it up just depending on what's going on. Sometimes Friday, I might be having them do a craft or something like that. And if it's a holiday, sometimes we would do more thematic activities. But this is just something generic and kind of an overview so you can see that. And then there's also another station called Choice. And that's where students could choose what they wanted to do from that day or the week's choices. Again, this might change from day to day, but for the purposes of having a schedule that you don't have to print out a new page every single day, it would just say choice. And then I would give them what their options were, either verbally, visually, or both. Another thing that you want to think about is how to plan for a substitute teacher. And you can actually think about this when you're doing your schedule at the very beginning of the year. If you remember when I was talking about a general schedule, the very first episode of this series, if you have all those times listed and you keep adding things in, pretty soon you're going to have a good general schedule of everything that happens during the day. That's just the bare bones, just the skeleton schedule. Again, you're not putting in what the lesson plans are. Then when you plan for a substitute teacher, then you can add those things in for what they need to be doing. So what I usually do is as far as the schedule, you know, what groups are when, what students are doing, rotating through their different groups during the day, I keep that when there is a substitute teacher. However, I might change what they're doing in each group. But I do feel that it's important that the students have the routine and they're used to going to each group during the morning before recess and then going around to them again after recess. That's what they're comfortable with. That's their routine. I don't want to change it. I usually keep the schedule as far as them rotating stations in my classroom. And I also have them continue to go to their inclusion classes. However, I might change what they're doing during the station time in my class. So you can easily turn your general schedule into lesson plans for a substitute teacher. What I do is I just open my schedule up in Microsoft Word, or you can do that in PowerPoint or Google Docs, whatever you're using. And then before you make any changes, go and save as and name it something like sub plans and the date. And then I go into it and I add details explaining what the substitute does at each station. For example, maybe on that particular day, they need to cover my yard duty before school. And I might add in things if they need to do something specific for attendance or behavior or stations. I know that the substitute might not want to read lots of pages of information, but I have found that the day will go smoother if the substitute knows some of the little things that students and my teaching assistants might come to expect. Now, my target audience for this episode and this podcast series is special ed teachers. So you probably do know how a student can have a meltdown when a very small thing happens that they did not expect. So consider how writing out some notes might really help your substitute and your students have a better day when you're not there. And if you have it all written out now, it'll make it easier the next time you have to be absent, especially if it's the very next day and maybe you're at home because you're sick or you're taking care of sick children. Nobody wants to be writing lesson plans at 3 a.m. after they're washing bed sheets of their child that has just thrown up for the fourth time. In fact, some principals require that teachers turn in a set of emergency lesson plans the first week of school. 
Now, in addition, please don't talk yourself into not leaving any lesson plans because you're sure your parents will jump in and explain everything to the substitute teacher, especially if their hours do not coincide with when the substitute will be there. So don't just assume that your aides will be able to take over everything for you. You still want it to be written out because you are the person that's responsible for the class. You are the teacher of record. And so it's your responsibility to leave the plans for the substitute. However, I definitely know and have had wonderful aides who are so amazing and excellent at what they do. And they are usually willing to help out when there is a substitute teacher. But maybe there's a time that they get sick as well and they're not even there. So you can't always count on that. Maybe you both catch strep throat at the same time because it's going around your class. So along with the sub plans, I always left my master schedule rotations. And that's the schedule that I have posted around the room so the kids know where they're going. And I also leave other handouts describing what to do for bathroom breaks, discipline. If you're using Class Jojo, you could leave the Class Jojo login information and point criteria or leave a list of extra ways that kids can earn points or play money. And that was when I had students earning pretend class dollars. Put everything in a folder, a binder or a tub and make sure it's well marked and leave it on your desk or your kitchen table. So I have some sample substitute lesson plans that gives you a little bit of a description along with the schedule. But again, it's focusing on what you do, not so much what the other paras or adults are doing. It's just like what the substitute's going to do. These details are probably not going to be the same as what you would actually put in your lesson plan. So don't just print this out and leave it for a sub you definitely have to make it personalized for your own classroom. However, I left details in there so that you could get an idea for how detailed you might want to get for a substitute. This would take a really long time to have me read through this all for you. So I really suggest that you go to the podcast page and look at the show notes so that you can download and look at this full schedule and have it yourself. But basically, I'm talking about what's happening for yard duty, what they need to do before school, what the inclusion schedule is for the day so that they see that right off instead of forgetting about it until later in the day. And then after that, I have my group's and I have the times listed, and then I have blank areas where I can write in what they are going to do. And on this subschedule, I don't have the columns for what my paraprofessionals are doing. I only have what I want the sub doing because that's what their focus is, especially if you have to turn in something online for the substitute to access digitally. I usually only give them this. I will have the schedule with what the pair of professionals are doing, but that isn't something that is at the forefront for the substitute. And then after I have the different rotations and what they're doing, then I have more just paragraphs of what will be happening later in the day. So if you have a chance to look at this, you'll notice that I have a more detailed description of what happens. And that's because I want to make sure to cover all the things the sub needs to know. For example, information about yard duty can stay the same all year long. However, I just added the information about the butterfly cage because we had just studied the butterfly cycle and the butterflies had come out of the cocoons, but they hadn't been released yet in this particular example. It is better not to go deep into academics when there's a sub or perhaps even continue the lesson that I usually do. At least that's what I found at the elementary level. I found I could not expect a substitute to be able to handle teaching different lessons in every group and be able to oversee what the other independent groups are doing, like on their computers 
Unless it's someone, maybe a retired teacher who's been in your class a lot or a substitute that comes in a lot and they know how to teach the class. We all know that kids who are normally sweet as can be may not behave for a sub. And even if you spend tons of time explaining everything, there will probably be something that the substitute does differently. And that doesn't mean it's something wrong. It's just they do it a little differently than how we normally would. And the class might get really upset by it, especially if you have students with autistic tendencies. So for these reasons and more, I tend to go very general on the lesson plans when I have a sub. That might be when we get out the Legos. Or we decide instead of doing an in-depth reading mastery lesson that we're going to get out a review game instead. Again, my purpose is to keep kids engaged, happy, not bickering, and hopefully to have minimal behavior issues during the day. I don't want kids to be bored. I don't want them to be thinking about how to bother the kid sitting next to them or the kid across the room. You can see that the column where it talks about the review game doesn't have a lot of details. For example, if there was going to be a sub, I would have written some Something different for each reading group. Also, in keeping with the schedule, I still wanted my students to go to their inclusion classes even if I was not there. I didn't want that routine to get out of whack. And kids need to know that going to their inclusion classes is mandatory. They cannot decide not to go one day and then just not go. But as you can see on this particular day in the sample, it was during statewide testing. So that would have been one of the rare times when they might end up having to stay in class or go to their inclusion class and get sent back because that class might have been testing. You can also see that the year I had the schedule was the year I had kids going to their general ed inclusion classes at many times during the day. I had that schedule posted around the room, plus the office had a copy of it as well. It is important for the office to know where your students are at all times. It is the worst thing if a parent comes to pick up their child and the office cannot locate the class or the student. So try to prevent that by letting the office know what your plan is and also posting a note on your door. You might also let the nurse's office know and perhaps the classrooms next to you. Speaking a little more about inclusion times, there was one year when neither of my teaching assistants were full-time. So I was by myself with my class for over an hour at the end of the day. This was difficult because I could not do groups during this time and it wasn't possible to teach in a whole class format due to so many grade levels that I had. I found that when I had a lot of different grade levels, I couldn't do outdoor PE with the whole class because the little kids would usually get hurt on accident by the big kids. Okay, you just can't be dribbling basketballs and doing drills and playing kickball and things when you have little first graders along with fourth or fifth graders. Even though a lot of my big kids were really sweet and really kind with the little ones, it's just too easy to bump into them and their skill level was so different. Also, there were times that we would be doing indoor PE, which usually ended up being Go Noodle or some other type of game, especially when I had the whole class. Even if you have well-behaved kids, a special ed teacher shouldn't be alone with students in case a student acts out, has a tantrum, etc. So that year, the principal and I decided that the students should all go to their inclusion classes in the afternoons after my paraprofessionals left. And at that time, I would rotate through the classes. I would go to a different class each day. This worked well because I could collaborate with the general ed teacher on how to best include my student. I was there to support my student. And then I was also free to leave that class and deal with any other behavior issues that might come up. The principal also allowed my class to go to the computer lab, which was next to the library in the office at the end of each day. So then there would be other adults close by if there was an extreme behavior event. 
This ended up turning into something where all the special ed classes would end up coming into the computer lab together. Fortunately, there were 30 or 40 computers in there. And between all of our classes, there were probably about 30, 35 students. So even with three different special ed classes in there, we had enough computers. And it was nice because if a teacher had to leave to deal with an IEP or behavior issue, then the other teachers could make sure everyone was cared for. So it really worked out nice. If you want to get into this further, I do have a product on Teacher Pay Teachers where I have more samples. I have another substitute schedule lesson plan. It's from a different year, so you'll notice some schedule differences, but I'm providing it just so there are more ideas for you to look at. I have added this schedule in the editable resource on Teacher Pay Teachers. The last topic I want to talk about is answering the question I get most frequently about my schedules. And that is, what do you and your parents teach all day long? First of all, I try to teach and allow my students time to work on their IEP goals. However, that's not all that we did during the day. I think it would be hard or impossible to write IEP goals for every single concept or standard that is taught during the school year in a self-contained class with multiple grades. As I've said before, I've taught students who have mild-moderate disabilities, such as high-functioning autism, specific learning disability, other health impaired like ADHD, mild intellectual disability. Almost all of my students had speech disorders, and occasionally I had a student who was deaf, hard of hearing, visually impaired, or with an orthopedic impairment. So my focus was on academics and not so much on functional or daily living skills. Now, for the last four years, I've been an itinerant teacher, so I may not have used some of the newer curriculums. For example, the unique curriculum. I have used that teaching summer school, but I did not have that when I taught in my self-contained classroom. But I hope that whatever population and grade levels you have, you will find some nuggets of information from this podcast that will help you out. So here are some ideas of activities that we've done in my self-contained class. And you can go to the show notes and get links to things that are available online that I was able to find links for. So this first section of activities are things that we would do in small groups, either with me or with a para. Number one, we would do reading lessons, such as reading mastery and spelling mastery, touch math lessons or work packets, guided reading or writing activities, such as starfall journals. Number two, calendar, morning meeting, personal data sheet type things. We would also do consumable math books, most of the time discarded from general ed, or lots of math review games, memorizing math facts, and handwriting without tears. Three, there were some curriculums that I purchased on Teacher Pay Teachers with my own money, and mostly this was to save my sanity the year that I had 15 to 20 students in my class. The main thing I bought was the daily curriculum series from the Autism Helper. I also used consumable reading workbooks from the general ed adopted curriculum, but again, those were discards that were given to me. And I I also would do fun lessons like cooking, art, holiday stuff, certain kinds of science experiments. My favorite science experiments are in a resource from The Bender Bunch as well as seasonal activities. Okay, the next group of activities are things that I would try to do with the whole group. Now, sometimes it was very hard to do whole group activities, but if I had all my pairs there and sometimes there would be a limit on time and so we would just go ahead and go for it and try it. But it does depend on how many students you have and how many paras you have. Okay, the first thing that we love to do was go noodle. 
If you've never heard it, you need to go find it on the internet and get a free account. This is great for brain breaks during the day or when you have to stay indoors during recess. Just be careful if you have a big spread of grades since big kids can accidentally hurt the little kids. I like to use it in place of PE when I had grades first through fifth. As I said earlier, the big kids can accidentally hurt the little kids if we tried to do PE altogether. We would use Go Noodle, and usually we would do this when kids were coming and going from their inclusion classes, so hopefully not all the kids were in the room. When this happened, usually I could get grades first, second, and third together when fourth and fifth were mainstreamed, and vice versa. Another thing we would do is read aloud library books. The library had an awesome program where community members would adopt a class and come read every week, either in the library or in our classroom. Mrs. Hillman was the best. She understood that my students might have behavior issues, and she was patient and understanding with every single one. Over four years, she really got to know my students and loved on them so much. I already said this before, but we would also sometimes do science experiments with the whole class. Usually we did it in small groups, but sometimes whole class. We would also explore manipulatives such as 3D blocks, teddy bear counters, scales. If you have access to any scholastic magazines, that would be great. I was able to get extras like the magazine Let's Find Out from the kindergarten teachers, and we would use that. Also, we might watch a movie that goes with the current school-wide literature project. Some books that everyone on our campus read were Charlotte's Web and Alice in Wonderland. The third area would be independent activities, which I refer Refer to as Chrome on some of my schedules. This meant using Chromebooks or other technology, as well as independent work tasks or other activities. Websites or apps students enjoyed were Boom Learning, ABC Mouse, Scoot Pad, Cool Math Games, Letter School, iTrace, Writing Wizard, Brain Pop, or Brain Pop Junior, and a listening station, which would be either online or books that I had with CDs from Scholastic, or that myself or others would read aloud onto audio CDs. Some other independent work tasks would be file folder activities, such as matching or categorizing colors, letters, numbers, math facts, sight words, phonics, and comprehension. Pre-vocational or vocational activities, such as alphabetizing, sorting colored paper clips or other items, collating papers, etc. We would do some daily living activities such as tying our shoelaces, practice locking or unlocking combination locks to get ready for middle school PE, and some of these things I did purchase such as autism helper work tasks, write the room, and I also will put a link in the show notes to my own Pinterest board with lots of different independent work tasks. Other independent exploration activities my kids did were stacking blocks or other things like cups, geo boards, pattern blocks. Sometimes we would measure things into scales. We would have sensory bins. The most popular activity was Legos, and I tried to use that sparingly, maybe once a week or on special days when I was desperate because lots of adults out of the classroom that day or other situations coming up. So those were all the things that I could think of. I'm sure there's lots more, but hopefully that gives you some ideas to get you started. Like I said before, you can get more information and links to everything I just mentioned in the show notes at lisagoodell.com slash podcast. I also mentioned these activities in a blog post that I wrote, and that will also be linked in the show notes. I also have a summer goal of putting together some emergency lesson plans for new special ed teachers, but I haven't done that yet. That is a summer project. 
So I hope this episode has given you tons of ideas. I've been so excited to do this and I hope it has been helpful for you. I wish you a good end of the school year if you have not finished yet. And I hope you have a wonderful, relaxing summer. I do have a couple of announcements. One, this coming week is my last week of school and I will be finishing my 24th year of teaching. I do have lots of plans for the podcast over the summer. I would love to do a bunch of interviews so I could get ahead for the fall. So if you would like to be on the show, please do not be humble. Just send me an email at helpforspecialeducators at gmail.com and we could set something up on a topic that you are passionate about. I am really proud that I have released 10 episodes in the last 10 weeks while teaching special ed full time, my daughter graduating from college and so much more going on. But over summer, my goal is to only post two to three episodes a month. So don't be surprised if I skip a week here or there. I also am planning to go to the Teacher Pay Teachers Sellers Conference in July. So if you happen to be going there, I really would love to meet up with you. Please say hi if you see me there. I would really love it if you would take two minutes and go on iTunes and leave a review for this podcast. If you are a blogger, you could also link to any of the podcasts and that would be awesome. You can also tag me in your social media posts. On Instagram, my handle is Lisa Goodell Equip, and it's the same thing on Facebook. Finally, please come join us in the Facebook group. The name of it is Help for Special Educators Podcast. I have been so excited to get to know many of you through doing this podcast, and I hope to meet more of you in the future. Talk to you next time. Now, when I start to get stressed or overwhelmed about school stuff, I find it helps to take a moment to slow down, stop, and focus on my breathing. Sometimes, I also might say the serenity prayer aloud or in my head. Here it is. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I might also add a few of my own words. Here's a sample for us special educators. Help us to listen and truly understand our students. Please give us words, actions, and solutions which will help in difficult situations. May our classrooms be peaceful places where teachers, staff, and students learn and thrive. After that, I try to go out and find someone else to help because helping others keeps me from selfishly dwelling on my own problems. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you heard something helpful during this episode that you can implement in your teaching. Remember, you are amazing. What you do makes a difference, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Go find someone else to encourage, because they probably need to be reminded that they are amazing too.